Blog Talk Radio. Right into this world, all alone. God takes your soul, you're on your own. A crow flies Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a live edition of Way In Sports Talk. I'm your host, Brian Tarvin, joined tonight with co-host Trey Patterson. Man, it seems like it's been forever since we've been home, but it's only been a week, so it's not been terribly long, but it just seems like a long time. A lot has happened in the world of college football, NFL, and glad to have old Trey back. Trey, but Sonia and Jason did a good job, a very good job in your absence. We thank them for... Uh, for co-hosting in your absence, and they'll be here tonight with us in a little while. How's everything going with you? Going well, man, going well. Thanks for them for filling in while I was in Key West on vacation. It's always good to have somebody backing you up so well, Tarvin. It was a good show. Yeah, it was. And, you know, the Iron Bowl came and gone. We we saw Florida State, Florida, Muschamp's last game. I mean, where do we – I'm going to ask you tonight, where do we start? You tell me where we start. Well, I, I think we start with sort of the landscape of where we are in college football, and you can kind of sort of follow that from the results we saw, um, you know, last weekend that lead us into this weekend, Target. And, yes, you know, right now, if the, if the playoffs started today, um, you know, regardless of rankings, and I think, uh, you know, I, I have a beef with the way the teams are ranked. Uh, but I'll tell you, I don't have a beef with the matchups and the – you know, the sexiness, if you will, of the matchups based on what we saw, you know, last weekend. Um, I'm not sure there's a clear number one, Carvin, but I know one thing. Uh, there's not going to be an issue with uh, selling out a game in New Orleans between Alabama and Florida State. Yeah, and I'm glad you I'm glad you brought this up to start with because looking at it, I mean, it doesn't make sense right now for Florida State to be – heading down the pole right now at number four. The only undefeated team left in college football. Yeah, they, they've come from behind a lot. We've talked about that, but it's still, they're undefeated. No other team in college football can say that. And the fact that they, they're dropping down the pole, when, when if I'm not mistaken, TCU almost lost to Kansas, got lucky to come back and beat Kansas two weeks ago. So it, it is. It's not about Florida State not playing good it's about selling you know selling seats and remember when i told you if two sec teams were in it i guarantee you they would play each other in the first round this is the committee's way um, of seating people not based on how good they are but how much money it's going to draw and this is this is obvious they, I, that's why i don't like them coming out with the polls every week trace it makes it obvious what they're trying to do yeah and i think you bring up a really good point and that is that is you know, Florida State is an ad hoc SEC team. We know that. They play the same style of football. Uh, I think, uh, in a lot of ways, this is the committee wanting to get a regional matchup in the playoff. Uh, and I, I wish that what they would do is not have seeds all together and just say, these four teams ran and this is the pairings. Uh, because, you know, I think we get too much into the debate of one through four. Um, and and it, it sort of it, it tears down some of the fabric of how fun this should be when, you know, the committee ranks Florida State undefeated team number four. It's like it's just a little bit silly. Uh, and it really tears down the issue of Tarvin. I'm, I mean, even as a Florida State fan, to have a, an Alabama-Florida State national semifinal would be incredible. I mean, that's just a great matchup. Win or lose, uh, each team is going to enjoy the experience. And, uh, I, I just think that this whole seating process has been so shady with them 
And what they're really doing, I, I believe in what you said, Tarvin, is they're, they're looking to get uh, the Pac-12 uh, into the finals. I mean, it looks like to me they're, they're trying to make sure Oregon uh, gets a matchup to play the winner of Florida State, Alabama. Yeah, that's exactly what they're trying to do. And, and it's out, I, you know, looking at this year, it would be a perfect year to throw four teams in a hat. You pull them out and you see them by that. That's how even it is. But, you know, Trey, I want to ask you, Florida State's drop. Just say, let's let's pretend just for a second. Well, let's, let's pretend Florida State loses to Georgia Tech this weekend. And I don't think it will happen. I think you're, you guys are safe. But what if this happens? Is the committee – willing to put two big 12 teams in a four-team playoff. What happens if the unthinkable happens? Florida State, one of these top teams loses. I mean, who's going to get in? Ohio State, if they win without their top two quarterbacks, would would Baylor get in and put two big 12? How's it going to work out? Yeah, I mean, isn't that the scenario? I mean, at least right now, from my perspective, we have the four I think most deserving teams, and I have a pretty decent argument for Baylor, by the way, over TCU. I I can't stand the, um, oh, TCU looked better versus Baylor this year. I'm not so sure that's even the case. I mean, uh, if you you remember the TCU-Baylor game, after the game, TCU's Gary Patterson said, we didn't think we could stop Baylor at all. Uh, And that's the reason why we made a bunch of decisions like going forward and fourth down with five minutes left. Because we didn't think we could stop Baylor, and does that does that sound like a coach who, um, you know, is a game that went back and forth? That sounds like a coach who was scared uh, to play the last five minutes of the game and was worried about, you know, that didn't think his team had it. Uh, and so, and I look yeah. head to head, talking, I get worried that the committee is sort of going, oh, well, in my mind, this team just looks better. Well, Baylor beat TCU, so I think other than that, Tarvin, at least we have the four uh, to five better teams, but if, let's say, Florida State or Alabama or, you know, the unthinkable happens and Oregon loses, I mean, man, it's going to be crazy of what team might get in. I mean, at that point, I don't know, it just, it gets a little bit ridiculous in the scenarios that can that can play out. Well, I have a question. What happens if Alabama loses a close game? I mean, just like a one-point game to Missouri, does Alabama drop out of the top four? And that's a great question, I and mean, I don't know. I don't know the answer. I've been pretty staunch in my views that Ohio State with a loss shouldn't get in. Um, I think Baylor is a little more deserving than TCU, uh, and that's just my thoughts. I mean, I'm, you know, I think um, that's just where I would go if they both win, especially if, if Baylor takes care of Kansas uh, Kansas State this weekend. Um, sure. Sorry, go ahead, man. Well, I want to say something real quick since we're on Baylor, and you you made your argument. I'm with you, and and you've heard me say it on this show. I, I'm all about putting the best teams in, but when you compare TCU and Baylor, they play the exact same schedule, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, the conference, all games are equal. Some are on the road, some are not. Uh, the only difference between these schedules is Minnesota play TCU. That's a stronger out of conference than what Baylor had. I get that, but you only use that, really, if there's no head-to-head. There is a head-to-head game, whether it was played in Baylor or TCU. And not only that, Baylor, at least, this is a team that last year made a BCS Bowl game, even though they lost it. They, they're they building off last year here. I, I just find it hard to, to believe that TCU is that much better than Baylor in the committee's eyes. What the committee said was, there's no Baylor in the playoff unless the unthinkable happens, really. They're even behind Ohio State. 
that concerns me a little bit. They're playing God a little bit more, and and they said head-to-head was a factor. And at the end of the day, both of these teams could be conference champions, I mean co-champions. But really, mm-hmm. Baylor is a champion, Trey, because Baylor won the head, head-to-head. So Baylor, to me, is the Big 12 champion. There is no co-champion. Yeah, I agree with you. I think the Big 12 took a, a coward way out, too, with saying that we're not going to have um, a crown of champion, if you will. And we, you, you and I talked about this, and I thought it would be a huge hindrance for the Big 12 not having a championship. And it turns out that while it won't be a hindrance in maybe one of the teams getting in, Carvin, it's going to be a hindrance in maybe the right team getting in because uh, it appears that because they don't have a championship, uh, and maybe they get the windfall of having two in, and you know they, they say, hey, we didn't even have to get to a championship because now we have two in. I don't think that happens. I really don't. I think um, the way things shake out this weekend is going to, you know, whether it's Kansas State eliminates Baylor or whether, you know, Iowa State shocks the world and beats TCU, I think one of them are going to lose. Uh, and I think we'll figure it out, you know, like we usually do at this point. Uh, but, I mean, right now it is a little bit concerning of what the committee is saying because it seems each week they, they seem to choose a different criterion uh, to base what they're saying on. You know, they say, oh, well, you know, it's this factor this week, and the next week they change the factor up. And, you know, I don't like that. I mean, stay consistent, at least, and say this is what we're doing. Well, Trey, they're already coming out and saying that, that Alabama would be a double-digit, double-digit favorite in a neutral side over Florida State. I mean, where are they coming up with this line? Do you agree, disagree? What do you feel about it? I've seen a line that was eight and a half out of Vegas. Um, and, and pure sort of futures. Uh, that's the only one I've seen, personally seen. I've seen a lot of people talking about it on Twitter, which is, you know, Twitter's great. Uh, but if you take Twitter for the truth, then you get a little bit of a problem. Uh, and maybe, maybe they are, maybe they're not. I, I don't think that's the case. Um, but, I mean, to be honest, I mean, here's, here's what I matter about Alabama and Florida State being favored. I think combined, Harvin, combined this year, they've, they've covered five times. Um, and I think what Akron, the you know, the Zips out of Akron and Mac covered nine times this year. So, I mean, <laughs> what do you want to make of the fact that Alabama and Florida State haven't covered the spread this year? Not, either, neither one of them. I mean, what do you make of that? I don't know. Well, I'll tell you this, and, and tell me what you think. When I watch Alabama play, when I've watched them play at a neutral side or on the road, they're just not the same team as they are when they're in Tuscaloosa. You've seen games A&M 59 to nothing. I mean, they they beat the piss out of Florida. They Auburn was a great game, but they ended up winning that one by 11. But when they went on the road, Arkansas, they won that one by one. LSU, they won in overtime. West Virginia, that was a close one. Even Tennessee came back on the road to make it respectable. So what's the difference in playing Alabama and New Orleans, you know, rather than playing them in Tuscaloosa? I just think people need to back up a little bit and realize these teams are all pretty even when you put them on a neutral field. Oh, yeah, and I, absolutely. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the matchups and what that means this this week. But, um, you know, there isn't an elite team this year. And which team wins it? I mean, you can say as a fan that you're confident in your team uh, and all that sort of, you know, that hype talk. But if you talk about matchups and stats, you just can't put your finger on a team this year uh, that has something to buy into that's physically on a piece of paper that you can say this matters. Uh, you know, you can you can give me the eye test argument, um, but it's just subjective. I mean, the thing is, Tarvin, we don't know 
uh, of the top six, seven, I mean, maybe even 20 teams, uh, if you put them all on playoff, who would come out of it? I don't know. I mean, I, I really don't. I just think there's a lot of parity in college football this year, and it's going to be interesting when we see the, the football uh, playoff come into be. I mean, because if, man, you could really see, like, a TCU come out of this, and I don't know, man. I, I just, I mean, it's that, it's that kind of year. I mean, what if Arizona beats Oregon and Missouri beats Alabama? Does <laughs> Arizona get in? I, I don't even know. I think so. I mean, you never know. This time of year, there's always upsets. And we're having um, the studios loading a little bit. If you'd like to call in, 646-716-5564, press number one. We'll get you on. Just give me a minute to to get things loaded up right now. I don't know why, Trey, on our show some nights, the studio or the chat room takes forever to load up. But just hit number one and I'll get with you as soon as the uh, hourglass keeps coming on here in my studio. But, you know, Trey, what's funny, you, you watch Auburn play, you could probably put them in the final four if you were playing them, and those would be very competitive games. That's how close this year is. If you look at the top 10 teams, 12 teams, and you combine them, it's, it's just some good football this year. Nobody's dominant. That's why you see Florida State surviving, getting by. Not very dominant, but they find ways to win. TCU, Baylor, Oregon. I mean, I don't know. This is the weirdest year of football I've ever seen. And yeah. uh, I want to I go back real quick before we start talking about the preview. And let's, let's talk a little bit about Florida, Florida State last weekend. And Will Muschamp leaving Florida, getting fired from Florida. That was his last game. Florida Gators played, you know, pretty inspired football on defense. Yeah. But what, what did you feel during that game, Trey, when you were watching it? Florida won, Florida State won by five. It didn't impress people, but the spread was only seven. Yeah, I mean, they, the spread, they, they won almost by the spread. And the fact is, is, for most of the game, I mean, Florida State took control a lot earlier than they have in the past, at least this year. You look at, you know, they were um, obviously the pick six early on in the second quarter was a big turning moment. I'll tell you, watching the game, uh, Mil, Mil Muschamp and, and Kurt Roper, tried more offense than I've seen. And I, have, I haven't watched every single Florida game this year, but I've seen a decent of them. And they, they tried to put the ball down the field with, um, you know, Trayon Harris, their young freshman quarterback, uh, in ways they haven't this year. He missed a lot of throws, and some of them were there. Uh, so you got to give Must Trump. He went out with a, with a blaze of glory trying to knock off Florida State. Uh, you know, they just didn't have the players on offense yet. Um, and, you know, defensively, uh, I thought they did a very good job against Florida State. All right, stay here. I think we have uh, Paul going to talk about the Florida game, and then we'll get Sonia on to get the Bama. I think this is Paul. You're on way in sports. going on, gentlemen? How's y'all's after, uh, night going? Good afternoon or evening. What's going good on? evening, man. It's, it's been a long week, I can tell you that. I hear you, man. I hope everybody's Thanksgivings were great. Yeah, it was great, man. How about yours? Yeah. Going good. Going good. So what do we want to talk about real fast? Well, I mean, we're talking about Florida State and Florida right now, Muschamp's last game at Florida. I mean, Paul, what would you think about your team's performance? I think they, they didn't play to win. They I think the play calling was a little too conservative for a team, you know, on a coach's last game playing, you know, for, you know, free house money, really. I mean, I thought it was very conservative, kicking field goals instead of scoring touchdowns. Absolutely. I mean, you know, that's just been the par for Muschamp, though, really, all year. I guess he felt like, I mean, as you both watched, the defense was on absolute fire for most of the game. Mm-hmm. So I guess he felt like 
you know, he could squeak in and get a field goal here or there, or, you know. I mean, I, I mean, I was proud of the way the defense played. It, it was a lot closer than I thought it would be, but I'm glad. I know I've been a supporter, but I'm glad that the must-champ era is over. Well, Paul, I want to ask you something real quick. I mean, you know, sometimes when you're playing a team, a rival, you don't want to wake them up, piss them off, or, you know, doing that. What was Florida thinking, taking cheap shots on Winston out of bounds with players not even in the game, and then all of a sudden he woke up and started throwing it everywhere? What in the world were they thinking? You know, I saw what happened. You know, Trey, I don't know if you saw I believe it was Gerald Willis, was it not? No, the player's name eludes me. It was a freshman, I know that. Well, I know Gerald Willis is <laughs> a true freshman. I don't know. I mean, you know, I don't know if y'all watch. I, mean, I, I try to watch all of the post-game pressers from the SEC coaches. You know, Muschamp, he said that if he was still, he point blank said, he's like, if I'm still the, if I'm still the head coach, that kid's not on the football team anymore. Yeah, he did. So, yeah, he said that. So, you know, I mean, that's that's a pretty bold statement. You know, and I thought it was obviously. I thought it was garbage. Well, Paul, anything you want to add on this rivalry before we move on to the real rivalry? <laughs> no, not really. I just, I didn't know. Real quick before y'all move on, just want to update y'all. Florida fans thought they had her head coach, but uh, apparently there's been hitting some snags. And uh, Foley it's, a, it's, called, it's called a seven and a half. It's called a seven and a yeah. half million dollar buyout. Yeah, yeah and, uh, and a game in Colorado, Colorado State. State Colorado State made a counter offer. Foley tried to lower it down to three million. Colorado State counter offered with three and a half million, but Florida would have to play a home and a home series with them, and Foley mm-hmm. said no and left. So that's where we are. Yeah. Well, all right, Paul, hang tight. If you want to come yeah. back on, press number one. We'll get you back on. And that's, you know, Colorado State, let's give them some credit right quick. They they made it almost impossible, Trey, <laughs> to lose their coach. I like this. I mean, I like a buyout like this where McElwain can't just jump shit for free. Colorado yeah. State's going to make out. I mean, I'm, I like what they're doing here. Yeah, you know, here's the thing. I don't understand why home and home is such a, a snag for Florida, um, especially given the fact that they could, you know, you're talking about a Colorado State team that, Hasn't been dangerous in a while. I mean, what's the really holdup to play in Colorado State? Um, but that seems to be the big holdup is they don't want to play that home game in, in Colorado. Um, and I tell you what, if, if you think that's your coach, do you really care to play on the road against, uh, uh, you know, a Colorado State team? I don't. I mean, so, I mean, I, to me, if that's my coach, um, if money isn't an option, which apparently is not, um, that certainly isn't going to hold us up. Well, before we get into all these coaching changes and projections and, and previews of games, let's talk about the Iron Bowl. I mean, you know, my heart's just healing right now enough to, you know, to talk about this big game that happened last Saturday night. But, but Trey, you're a neutral party here watching the Iron Bowl. What did you think of the game? Well, I mean, I, I thought the game at first went very similar to what I thought it was going to be. Uh, you know, as well as the folks listening, that I, you know, I predicted Ole Miss and Auburn to win this uh, past weekend. Uh, I was sitting pretty at halftime, and I was patting myself on the back for, you know, my my you know my prognation <laughs> abilities, or if I can say that word correctly. Um, and I was like, man, I, I am I am on fire, you know. I've been picking like crazy. 
and, then, and then the wheels kind of came off. Uh, I really <laughs> thought Alabama made some great second-half adjustments, uh, especially with Lane. I mean, Lane Kiffin, I've heard so many Alabama fans discount what he's done. Um, but I'll tell you, as a, as a neutral person, I'm, I'm just amazed by what he's done with Blake, with Blake Sims. I mean, when I saw him come off the field after that third interception, I thought he's done. You saw Coker put his helmet on, and you looked at the camera zoomed in on Sims, and he looked just absolutely terrified. Uh, I think if it was a away game or a neutral game where the crowd wasn't in his favor, he may have been. But Lane Kiffin got, I mean, whatever he did to him at halftime was incredible. Um, whether it was Lane Kiffin or whoever, whatever coach, because Blake Sims came out just a totally different quarterback than after that third pick. And I think that was a huge part of the difference was Lane Kiffin's play calling in the second half and the adjustments they made it was just a, uh, a, a night and day. And I was very impressed with what I saw. Well, he was uh, one series away from being benched. I mean, Saban's already told him probably, hey, you know, give me the other quarterback right now. And he's not going to lose it because of, of a quarterback getting starry-eyed and losing it. But he did settle down. But, I mean, this game was what it was, two offenses. that I mean, the defenses couldn't stop the other one. Auburn settled for five field goals in the red zone <laughs> instead of getting a, t- a couple of touchdowns. I mean, Auburn couldn't stop Amari Cooper. I mean, it's just amazing how you have one player out there. If Auburn could have done one thing, Trey – slow down Amari Cooper, they win the Iron Bowl. I mean, what is it about this guy that's so hard to, I mean, just to let him run wide open down the field? I mean, no wonder Auburn lost their defensive coordinator. Yeah, I mean, and I, I, I'll be honest. I, don't, I think Ellis Johnson got a bad rap for the defense. I think a lot of Auburn fans blame him versus the players. Uh, and it, this was not a scheme problem, by the way, for Auburn on that game. It wasn't as if Ellis Johnson didn't call the right plays. Uh, you had guys. I, mean, I saw uh, one time you had a safety back and a corner playing under, and you know both of them got left in the dust. Now, how do how do you blame the defensive coordinator for putting two guys on Cooper and neither one of them being ten yards from? I mean, so I, yeah. again, I saw a lot of fans who were very very glad that Ellis Johnson left, but I was like, well. Um, uh, what I saw this year wasn't Ellis Johnson. I saw a lot of players being way out of position when they were put in the play. play. Well, I'm not happy, and, and you probably read my Facebook post, I'm not celebrating Ellis Johnson leaving. I'm not blaming him either. It's a, I think what it is is, is it's a discipline problem. And, I mean, when I say that, it means he's not a, a tough-nosed coach, in my opinion, to get the most out of his players and these guys just didn't seem tough enough. Auburn's defense, they didn't seem like they wanted to hit you. I mean, the other night they did for a, a few quarters, but they wore out. They didn't have – they were missing Lambert. They were missing Whitaker from the defensive line, two starters. Carl Lawson hadn't played all year. Whitehead's getting back in the rhythm. But they just didn't have enough depth to, to hang on in Tuscaloosa. Had that game been on the neutral side or at home, maybe it's different. You can't ever tell what can happen. But Ellis Johnson, I wish him well. I don't know who's going to be the next coordinator. They're saying must champ. But this Iron Bowl, I mean, Trey, were you more surprised? At, what were you surprised about? Nick Marshall threw for 450 yards. Auburn had 600-plus yards, 44 points, and still lost. I mean, what surprised you about this game? Well, I mean, you know, one is that Lane Kiffin made such good uh, – 
climate changes in the second half to adjust when he had to because Auburn was moving the football so well. I wasn't surprised that Alabama's defensive secondary wasn't, uh, and, you know, wasn't, wasn't able to stop Auburn. Um, they've struggled against decent quarterbacks. I mean, Clint Trickett threw for 300-something-plus yards on them. He's a very decent quarterback. And, so, and, you know, Marshall had – I don't think he's had – what he had, not even had a 300-yard game this this year. Um, and he threw for over 400. So, I mean, they're clearly uh, able to be passed on uh, by a team that gives them a little bit of time. So, you knew that was going to happen a little bit. Uh, but the adjustments that Alabama made and then just the, the absolutely blown assignment uh, for Auburn on, in the defensive secondary – and the other thing, Tarvin, and you and I talked about this off the air before the show, uh, I was very disappointed, and I know you talked about two drop passes for Auburn, but I thought Gus Malzahn's play calling in the red zone was, was not good. Um, yep. At times he threw the ball, and I thought, you're six yards out with first down, and you have a team that runs a very good running attack. I mean, it's not like six yards uh, with Artis Payne is, is not something that's attainable. And they seem to go away from strengths when they really needed to stick with them. Well, and I'm about to bring Sonia on to talk about her tie. But, you know, what I saw was Alabama decided in the second quarter, they told Auburn, look, you're not going to run the football on me. We're going to match up man-to-man on your receivers. If Nick Marshall can beat us deep, he's got us. If he can't, then I'm going to shut you down. Well, guess what? Marshall got hot. And that's what it took, or Auburn would have got blown out of that game probably on the road at night. But Alabama, if you notice after that first quarter, Auburn couldn't really get the run game going because then they realized, well, they're gonna they're gonna play off like this. We're gonna burn them, and and they did. So let's let's thank God that Marshall was hot the other night. So let's bring Sonia on and get a little Alabama flavor to this rivalry. Welcome to the show, Sonia. What's going on, guys? Hi, Trey. Hey. What's going on? We hadn't heard you in a while. Congrats to your nose, by the way. Hey, thanks a lot. Congrats to you as well. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> I was waiting on it. Let, let me start off by saying this. Okay, let me start by saying this. Let me get this out of the way right now. Auburn, you have nothing, absolutely nothing to be ashamed of. You guys came out and, good God, you gave Bama a game. You gave us a game. This was a game that it was like, I got to go to the bathroom, but I'm not miss. I got to wait. Commercial. I mean, seriously, you didn't want to miss one minute. And I want to say, I got to give freaking Duke Williams and Sammy Coates. If if those two, what are they? Are they freshmen or sophomores or what? Sophomores or juniors? What are they, Tarvin? Juniors. 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 If those jokers decide to stay, all I got to say is watch out for Auburn. That combo right there. When those two are clicking on all cylinders, they are unstoppable. If Bama defense can't stop those two, who else can? That is a combo that you've got to watch out for when they're both on. And, again, Gus's play calling is, I was like, uh, for real, dude? Like, seriously? <laughs> I mean, like, y'all just did that twice, and you're going to do it one more game? Uh, I don't know what was up with Gus. I don't know if somebody put something in his Gatorade. But that was not the same Gus Malzahn that coached the victory last year in last year's um, Iron Bowl. I gotta give I've gotta give my tie credit. The problem with Blake Sims, besides the starry eyed and that, you know, it's like his turn in the Iron Bowl. Blake did not have that ankle. He he that ankle was weak. 
and it was taped wrong because you could see he just was not comfortable. And then when he was throwing those INTs, and I'm like, okay, look, dude, we have got to get this together. And you could tell he was not because we saw it a couple of times when Lane was actually trying to get his attention, and he was just ignoring him. I mean, he was straight up ignoring him. So we knew something was about to happen. And when the, that last Auburn touchdown and the, the interception it was like, okay, we see Coker on the sidelines, something's got to happen. They went in, you know, went in um, halftime, came back out, brand-new team. But I will give Auburn its credit. Auburn did not come in and lay down. Auburn fought all 60 minutes. I got to give this Auburn team, I got to give them credit. That was a great game. So thank you. Auburn fans, you have nothing to be ashamed of. That's a great team you have. They'll they'll just improve. Well, Sonia, looking at it as, you know, I I did go into the game, you know, after, you know, the loss to A&M and then couldn't get up for Georgia. Looking at the Sanford game, there was a little part of me that was scared, wondering how hard is this team going to fight. If they don't fight, it's going to get real bad. But they did fight, and they they made everybody proud. It was a it was a great Iron Bowl. If you if you watch it with no emotion in it, I'm sure that you really enjoyed it. But if you're an Auburn and Alabama fan, it was hard to enjoy a game like that. And Sonya, I don't know about if you knew it or not, but Saban wasn't enjoying that game. <laughs> oh, I'm telling you right now, I was not enjoying that game at all. Especially when I look up and I'm like, dude, seriously, like Auburn's ahead, and they ain't even got a touchdown. What's up? <laughs> so to see my voice, but I never worry. See, I know that team, and I have to say this about some Bama fans. I got to insert this here, Bama fans. All of you, I call you guys the 2009 fans because you guys are the ones that just showed up or you started re-following Bama when they start getting good again. Let me tell you guys something. Do not ever start worrying about Bama being behind when there's two freaking quarters left. Okay, I saw Bama fans posting, "Oh, I'm gonna turn this off. Oh, we done lost the game." What are you? What what time zone are you in? <laughs> so I want to tell those Bama fans, please get off the bandwagon. You guys are the obnoxious ones who are always yelling 15 and throwing up stats and roll tide roll. Can't show respect for any other team. I'm sick of y'all. I'm really really sick of y'all. So I'm gonna really need y'all to just go jump, sit in the corner and sit and spin. Just get off the Bama bandwagon because we are sick of it. So, sorry about that, Tarman. Off my soapbox. No, it's fine. It's just fine. And, and I know a lot of Auburn fans like that and fans. And, and maybe I'm a, I'm too optimistic. I remember down 21 to nothing in Mississippi State. I'm like, hey, we're going to come back and win this thing. You don't give up on your team until, until a gun strike, you know, it hits zero. But Alabama played a, a, a real good second half. And, and you know, I, you know, like last year's game with the Iron Bowl, it ended very emotional. This one didn't. So if I'm you, Sonya, I don't worry about Missouri this weekend. I mean, there's no emotional letdown. It's going to be a a total thumping. And we'll talk about that game in just a little while, and we'll get you back on to preview that. But, Trey, um, let's move on real quick to coaching changes. We're going to go over the games real quick. What's the chances of – or I saw something. Tell me if I'm wrong. Is Brett Dillema going to Nebraska, or is this in the works? I saw some article. Okay. No, I don't. I don't. Here's here's the deal. You know, I have a connection in Nebraska. My wife and her family is all from Nebraska, and I get you know I get a lot of updates from them. That's not. I don't see that's in the works at all. Um, I I don't know where that came from. The thing I think is the most likely, uh, and I don't think it's necessarily a great move, 
but it's an interesting move is Scott Frost, the offensive coordinator out of Oregon, who's a former Nebraska quarterback. Uh, there's a lot of talk about um, he may be the guy they really want. Now, obviously, Oregon is still playing football, so there's some issues with that. Uh, but they're looking for somebody who has familiar ties to Nebraska and the fact that you know may know the sort of the landscape from Nebraska football and able to sort of recruit out of that. Um, I the only thing I've heard from Billum is on Twitter, so I, I haven't heard a legitimate, okay, uh, legitimate uh, source in that regard. I mean, it, it would be weird to leave Wisconsin to go to Arkansas just to go to Nebraska. I mean, why didn't you just stay at Wisconsin? You know, I mean, you're, you're holding the Big Ten, or you're right there at the every year. But being in the SEC West, you have to give him credit for coming here. It's going to be tough for Arkansas to ever win this division, but. Hey, you can't doubt him. He's done a great job. But, Trey, let's get into this these games real quick. Uh, do you want to start in the NFL? Yeah, so I'll start with – I did seven this week, Tarvin, and I know that seems uh, a lot, but there are seven games against teams that are currently in the playoff picture, and so I thought it was important that we at least, at least picked them and chatted about them real quick. Tarvin is the Colts, 8-4 and four at, the Bron- at the Browns, 7-5. and five. The Browns, uh, and I know I have a couple Browns listeners uh, who, who listen to the show and are uh, – I don't know if, you, if we want to plug right now, Tarvin, but you can actually find Way In Sports. If you have an iPhone, you get up, go to the little icon uh, that gives you the opportunity to find, you know, podcast. Uh, and you search Way In Sports, you can find us on there. And, and I have a couple of friends who listen to the show in that regard. One of them is a Browns fan, and he asked to talk, us talk about tonight of whether or not Hoyer uh, should be the starting quarterback, Tarvin. So let me ask you, buddy. Uh, do you think it's Manziel time with Cleveland being over 500 um, right now, 7-5 tied uh, with the, the Dolphins with, for a chance to playoffs? Is it time for Cleveland fans to already get nervous? For the first time, they're over 500 this late in the season. Yeah, I mean, it, it's time to bring Johnny Manziel in. If you if you watch this Cleveland, Cleveland offense with Hoyer, it's starting to get worse and worse and worse. Why not bring in some new life, someone that can move the pocket, can run? I'm saying, Trey, you, you put Johnny Manziel in as your starter in Cleveland if you want to make the playoffs. Well, you know, I, I take an interesting perspective of this, I guess. and I think, you know, it's, it's, it's funny what success, a little bit of success does to a team that hasn't been there. And the Browns have been bad for a long time. And they have a quarterback who, look, look, honestly, if you look at Hoyer's stats over the past six games, I think he's something like three touchdowns, eight receptions. It's not great, right? Um, but he's not doing a whole lot um, to sort of hurt them at times. And last game is an exception. He did picks and was pretty bad. Uh, I think the, the opportunity to start him this week is the right decision. If he struggles, you can always pull in Manziel as the, you know, sort of a, the relief pitcher right now. But I think going to Manziel is sort of punting this year right now. I don't. I don't think Manziel puts you in the playoffs. I think Manziel is looking at the future uh, because he's going to be very erratic. He's going to look great at a fourth quarter, and then he's going to turn the ball over three times in the next quarter. And that's just he's a, he's a young quarterback, and he's, uh, he's going to get hit. So I think you stick with Hoyer. You hope he can pull you out of it. Uh, but the fact that you know this is a Browns team over 500 right now, and if Hoyer struggles, then you have the hook. But I think right now the Browns stick with Hoyer. Uh, but I don't think it matters this weekend, Tarvin. I think the Colts are going to destroy them. But, <laughs> but at least it's interesting to talk about as a Browns fan, have something uh, to look forward to. Yeah, I agree. I like the Colts. If you'd like to call in, 646-716-5564. 
press number one if you'd like to get on and, and discuss some football games with us. I want to say hello in the chat room to Jason Minson, Sonia Minson, of course, she was just on, and they'll be back in just a minute. Lacey Key, Cuervo is in the house, the couch potato. Everybody, thanks for joining us tonight. Man, this NFL season uh, was exciting, all except this last week. It was kind of boring and dull. We're all going to pick the Colts. If you'd like to type in your your picks in the chat room, we'll read them on air. The next game, Trey, 7-5 and five Buffalo Bills going to Denver. I mean, Denver surprised me last week. I had Kansas City in the in the upset in Kansas City coming off that loss to Oakland, but Peyton Manning came, the defense came, and what do you think about Buffalo now going into Denver? Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Buffalo is a team that I think is, you know, I think I had them at 7-9 and nine or 8-8 eight and eight preseason. I think they're still on track there, even with Kyle Orton being the quarterback. Uh, I don't like this matchup at all. Interesting to note, um, I will say, Tarvin, that my Super Bowl matchup from preseason is still alive and well, even though both teams are not playing as well as I'd hoped them to play. But the Broncos, who I had in the AFC, are number two seed right now. Uh, the way the Patriots are playing, it looks like uh, they may have to go to New England, which doesn't bode well for the Broncos. But I have them going to 10-3 and three this weekend against the Buffalo Bills. I think in Denver, I just don't see the Bills winning a meaningful road, road game at this point. Well, well, Trey Couch wanted me to tell you in the chat room, Hoyer sucks, it's Johnny time, just to go back a little bit. But that's good analysis, Sonny. Now, Sonny knows his NFL, too. I love hearing Sonny talk every Sunday morning. On that being said, I always like to join them. I haven't been able to join them since I've been in school, but now that I'm graduated, now in my class, I can join them more often. In the next game, this one's an interesting game. The Miami Dolphins, and I'm picking the Broncos, by the way. The Miami Dolphins on the road at Baltimore. And, Trey, you ever talk about a choke job. What about the Baltimore Ravens this past Saturday against Sandy, or Sunday against San Diego? Yeah, I mean, that surprised me. I mean, it really did. I picked the Ravens last week and got disappointed. I'll tell you, I'm going to pick them again this week. And they're a team that plays <laughs> better at home usually. Uh, so I'm going to stick with that. I don't buy the Dolphins. I really don't. I know they're right now the sixth seed in the AFC, uh, but I'm going to stick to not believing in the Dolphins um, on the road especially. But, I mean, this Dolphins team is spicy, Tarvin. They're winning games that I really don't think they should, um, given their sort of talent level. But, I mean, this is one of those games that can go either way. I'm going to take, I'm going to stick to the home team, though. Well, Trey, I think you have your the schedule wrong. I believe Miami is at home in this game. Oh, Miami right. is the home yeah, you had it mixed up. So I like Miami at home. Since they're oh, home, since it's not in Baltimore. Right, I'm <laughs> switching my pick then. I'm going home team. <laughs> Sorry about right. that. Tell me in the chat room if, if if I'm wrong, let us know. Let me know. But I do think Miami, what I'm seeing, Miami is the home team. So you like Miami now. I like Miami. And that takes us to the Steelers, man. This is a team I don't know how to pick the Pittsburgh Steelers, but I did pick the Saints. You know, I told Cuervo and Sonny on Sunday, they both like the like – the, uh, I'm sorry, I lost my team here. Like the Steelers at home against the Saints, but I like the Saints. But now Pittsburgh goes on the road with a 7-5 record to Cincinnati. And, and this is a weird game. Who do you like in this one? Cincinnati's only a three-point favorite at home, which yeah. kind of smells fishy to me. Well, Dalton hasn't been great this year. Uh, he's been sort of adequate. The running back situation for Cincinnati, you know, with Hill, the rookie out of LSU, 
has been really good in replacement of Giovanni Bernard, who's back sort of playing, uh, but splitting carries with Hill. Uh, you know, you got Sanu, uh, who's playing pretty well. I, I think Cincinnati at home, this is going to be one of those games that the Steelers could come out and play very well in and sort of shock us. Uh, but, you know, this is a Bengals team that plays very well at home usually and very poor on the road. And this Steelers team has been up and down. So whichever team shows up, we'll know, you know, that'll um, sort of help with that determination. But one thing is for sure, Le'Veon Bell is an absolute beast. And I think he continues that against the Bengals. So we'll have to see how good Roethlisberger looks this weekend. Because he looked pretty bad last weekend. Yeah, that's why I'm going with Pittsburgh. Hey, I'm going against the grain. They played bad last weekend. Here they come. They're going to play good again. I like the running game of Pittsburgh against them. I'm just not. I'm just not thrilled watching Dalton play. I mean, I'm just they they need to get a quarterback in Cincinnati. I mean, that's what they need. They they need a quarterback. I'm not an Andy Dalton fan, and I just don't think Cincinnati's ever going to get past the wild card really or the first round uh, with him at quarterback. So who are you going with? Yeah, I'm going with the Bengals at home. Okay, I'm going to go with the Steelers. Our next game now. This one's a good one. The Patriots. Nine and three, coming off a loss at Green Bay. Now they have to to pack up, fly all the way out to California to play a, a Chargers team that just won an emotional come from behind win. Is that, does that win take anything out of San Diego in this game? Well, I'll tell you what I found most important about this game, Carvin, is the fact that after they lost to Green Bay, the Patriots didn't go to New England. They actually flew out to San Diego for the week. Uh, if you if you watch uh, Twitter at all, you'll know that Gronkowski was taking pictures of the Clippers game with um, with uh, Justin Bieber. So you have all that going on. But the fact that Pat stayed out the whole week in the West Coast takes a lot of that sort of lag across the country out of that. I think Belichick did a very smart move in that regard. I think the Patriots are not hungover from the trip. Therefore, I think they they beat the Chargers. Okay, Lacey and uh, Cuervo are both picking the Patriots. I'm picking the Patriots. I don't think Tom Brady's gonna gonna lose two in a row. But but Trey, honestly, I know that Green Bay game was on the road. They lost, but could this be a Super Bowl preview last week? Watching Green Bay and New England, those are the two teams I like going to the Super Bowl this year. Yeah, I mean, I, I hope not. This is gonna be against my prediction going into the the, the preseason, but. Uh... I certainly hope that the Packers are there. I mean, obviously, the fan of there, and the fact that I picked them preseason as well. But the Packers are certainly playing very well. They have the number two seed in the NFC currently, um, but they're one of those teams again that has played. If they get the wild card and they don't get home field, have been kind of different in the postseason. So I think this is one of those teams that really need to take one of the top two seeds uh, and sort of maintain that home field for as long as they can because. Uh, Aaron Rodgers has a different level of confidence uh, this year, but even more so when he's at home. Yep. All right, our number two game, uh, the, the Kansas City Chiefs, I mean, losing to Oakland two weeks ago. Here they come. Now they're going to Arizona. And Arizona's a team, I think you better watch out. Sonny doesn't think, and Trey, I'll ask you this real quick, Sonny doesn't think Arizona's going to make the playoffs. Do you agree or disagree with that? Oh, I disagree. I mean, right now they're number one seed, nine and three. For them not to make the playoffs, I mean, I, you know, that's a obviously it's a possibility. I mean, they pretty much have to lose every game from here on out. I mean, to that really play out. And the 49ers have been so erratic, and so, Seahawks haven't looked great either. So I, I think the the I don't see the Cardinals being the one seed uh, now that Drew Stanton is the starting quarterback. I mean, he's been okay as a backup. 
Um, and he's been decent as a starter at times. But Carson Palmer is clearly the better of the two. That hurts them quite a bit. But I think the Cardinals still get in. And I think they win this week to get to 10-3 and three at home uh, against the Chiefs, who haven't played that great on the road. Well, I mean, looking at Sonny's logic, he, you know, both of us picked Atlanta to beat Arizona last week, and it happened. But if you look at Arizona, I think they lose to Kansas City this weekend. And if you look at their next three games, at St. Louis, home against Seattle, at San Francisco, I mean, it's a good chance they could lose their last five games, including last last Sunday. If that happens, Trey, do they make the playoffs? At nine and seven, they probably don't. If they go out and lose the rest of the way, um, but I mean, you're—I guess that's banking on a couple of things. The 49ers have been—I mean, I don't have any confidence in them making the postseason. Um, I wish I wouldn't have picked them in the postseason to begin with. But I mean, you're, you're looking at—I mean, you know, a, a Seattle team who is three and three on the road um, themselves, and they have a home loss this year. I mean, Arizona right now is six and zero at home, man, and three and three on the road. So, I mean, you know, what's the what's the formula I always talk about for the postseason? Stay undefeated at home and go five hundred on the road, and you know, as long as they keep that streak up, I mean, they're going to be clearly in. Yeah, and I just the problem I have with Arizona, no quarterback. That's the scary part. You start playing the this time of year, and you look at the schedule. All of these teams, there's not going to be any teams laying down for you. Every team you play is fighting for playoff position, fighting to win a division. So I think I'm with Sonny in this one. Maybe we're crazy or something, but hey, I'm 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 calling I'm calling the Cardinals to lose out and I'm gonna go ahead and pick the Chiefs. Who are you picking are you picking Arizona? Yeah, Arizona. All right. Number one game, the Seahawks going to Philly. What a game this is gonna be and mm-hmm. and this is do or die for Seattle, to, in my opinion, Trey. They're eight and four. If they go eight and five, I just don't see them rebounding if they don't win this game. How big is this game for Seattle? Well, and this is a big game for playoff position. I mean, you know, right now I think Seattle is going to be in. I mean, they're playing consistent enough to be in. But Philadelphia at nine and three right now is the number three seed. Uh, but again, I mean, what's the formula that Philadelphia's done? Six and zero at home, three and three on the road. I mean, same formula again. They're at home this week, Carvin, and I just think they – I'm surprised how well Mark Sanchez has played. I mean, think about the fact that Philadelphia is playing with their backup quarterback. I mean, you have two – right now two of the top three seeds in the NFC are playing with backup quarterbacks. Uh, so that's kind of a crazy stat when you consider um, all the good quarterback play in the NFL that, you know, right now two backups have uh, their leading teams right now in the playoffs. So uh, I like Philadelphia even with Mark Sanchez. But I'll tell you – this would not surprise me if this became a road win for Seattle just because of Mark Sanchez. I, th- I think that the Seattle defense could pick him apart. I mean, Sanchez is not a guy I have a whole lot of confidence in, uh, but I just think they find a way at home. Uh, and Seattle's defense hasn't played great on the road, and so I think LaShawn McCoy, he figured some stuff out last week, and I think that helps. Yeah, I mean, you said it perfect. I'm, I'm taking Seattle's defense against Mark Sanchez. I know it's in Philly – but I just think they're going to have a hard time moving the football and scoring points. I think they'll get some field goals. Cody Parkey, the best kicker in the NFL right now from Auburn. I'll throw that in there. But I just don't think that Philadelphia is going to be able to beat Seattle because there's so much to play for. And this is a battle, an old rival, really. Pete Carroll versus um, 
Chip Kelly. I mean, what a big matchup, coaching matchup is this? I mean, who do you favor in the coaching matchup? I like Pete Carroll. Well, yeah, you're probably right, Pete Carroll. But Chip Kelly is doing some pretty good things on offense this year. I mean, like I said, look what he's done with Sanchez. I mean, he makes him look like a good quarterback. Yeah. Well, we're both picking the Seahawks in this one. It's going to be – is that a Sunday night game or is that a Monday yeah, night I'm, game? Yeah, I'm going with the Eagles. I'm going with the Eagles. Oh, you're going with the Eagles. Okay. All right. Yep. That's on you, man. I can't I can't change your mind, <laughs> I guess. But <laughs> Well, uh, we're going to start the college, and I'm going to have to take a just a five-minute break. We'll bring Sonia and them on to, to take my place if they want to, Trey. So let's get going on in the college world. The number 10 game, Northern Illinois, 10-2 versus Bowling Green. This is the MAC championship. And, I mean, I'm excited about this game. I don't know if a lot of people out there follow the MAC, but, but, Trey, this is exciting watching these kind of football games with so much on the line for them. Well, I mean, the one thing about the MAC that they do have going for them is their games are at least entertaining. I mean, a lot of MAC action goes on on Tuesday and Wednesday night. Um, I'm, I'll tell you what. The storyline of this game that surprises me is the fact that Northern Illinois is here. Um, you know, this is a team that, that actually did pretty well on the MAC over the last couple of years. So, I mean, I'm going to stick with uh, the, the Northern Illinois. They're favored by six and a half. Uh, I'm taking Northern Illinois, the Huskies, to take down a, a really a mediocre Bowling Green team. I know Coach Lent will be watching this game since he played at Bowling Green, but but, Coach, I've got to go against you. I've got to go with my co-host in this one. We're going to take Northern Illinois to win this high-scoring affair. But I'm excited yeah. to see it. Number nine, number nine, Louisiana Tech uh, versus Marshall in Conference USA Championship. How does Marshall rebound from that 200-198 game they played last <laughs> weekend? Yeah, I mean, that, that, we saw sort of Marshall – um, really not a BCS. You know, I know we're not on BCS, but the term BCS buster still kind of applied to them, trying to play their way into one of the playoff committee's games uh, on New Year's Day. Uh, not not the Final Four, obviously. Uh, this game, they're favored by 12. And I don't think they're going to have a problem, Marshall. Cato uh, may even get an invite to uh, New York. I don't think he should, but he may. Um, we'll see. But I think, I think Marshall is going to put up a lot of points against LaTeX. Yeah, I do too. I like Marshall. Lacey Key likes Marshall. Not much drama in those first couple, we don't think. Uh, speaking of not any drama, what about a two and nine Iowa State team going number three TCU? I mean, how bad is this game going to be? I think the spread's like thirty four. You know, I'll, I'll tell you this, Tarvin. I don't think TCU covers the spread. Iowa State is one of those teams, and, and, and unfortunately this isn't at home for Iowa State because they seem to shock someone every couple of years. They, they sort of shock the world. They haven't done that this year. I don't think they're going to do it uh, in this game. I don't see them winning a road game. I think it's going to be closer than the spread. I'm not sure you know, this game is all that competitive in the fourth quarter, but I think Iowa State keeps it below 34. I'll put it that way. I mean, is there any pressure on TCU with the playoff committee meeting Sunday? How much do they have to win this game by to, you know, to keep doubt from creeping in the pollsters' mind? You remember against Kansas, they went on the road and almost lost. They're home here. Mm-hmm. What if this is a, what if this is a seven-point game at the end? I mean, what does that do for TCU? Well, I'm not sold on TCU or their record. So, I mean, I think TCU could be one of the best four. Uh, I still think I, – I, I got Baylor by a little bit of an edge. 
Um, but, I mean, I think they need to be convincing at home against a very poor Iowa State team. I and mean, this isn't this isn't a 7-5 and five Iowa State team. But, I, you know, I think, you know, to the sort of casual observer, that may not make a lot of difference. But there's a difference in a team in, in a conference, in a Power 5 conference that's still in bowling, and a team that's not. And there just is. And so the fact that they struggle against a team that is not going bowling in their conference, it, it would be a – a bad thing at this point in the season. Yeah, I mean, this is. I want to see better competition. I want to. I want to see a Big Twelve championship game, man. I, mm-hmm. That's what I want to see, and and we don't see it. And there's a possibility we could have two of these teams in there without even having a conference championship game, which maybe may may you know make the SEC, uh, Big Ten, all these guys rethink even having a conference championship game. So don't be surprised if that starts dwindling away. Our next game, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, you know, preseason, we thought this was going to be a huge game at the end of the year. Here we are, Oklahoma struggling, Oklahoma State sucks, Oklahoma's favored 20. I mean, what kind of game are we going to get here? It is a rival game, but I just don't yeah. think Oklahoma State the horses to win this game. No, they, this team is devastated by injuries, and, and I just don't think that they're not a team that that's deep. I mean, I think they're they're playing. Obviously, they've been playing with their, their first string quarterback for a long time, and, and they don't have a. They're not a team with a lot of young players who can step up. This season is actually going to help them because a lot of those guys are getting experience, and they needed it. Um, but I mean, Oklahoma has the talent. They should win this game by 20. Whether they do or not, I don't know. I mean, Oklahoma's got a lot of problems too, but Oklahoma at least wins the game. Well, let's bring on Cuervo. He's in the studio right now. Cuervo, welcome to the show, buddy. What up, guys? How are you this evening? What's up, Cuervo? It's hump day. I'm ready for Friday. Oh, you you ain't lying, man. I'm ready for it, too. I, actually, I just want to get till tomorrow and watch my Bears get you know get destroyed by the Cowboys. Uh, yeah, I, I doubt it, man. Thursday night football, we never know what's going to happen. But what do you think about this Oklahoma-Oklahoma State game coming up? Well, I mean, you know, a month ago I would have thought it was it'd be a better game. But, you know, you look at Oklahoma State, the way they've fallen apart. You know, it's like you guys said. I mean, Oklahoma State's just not that good. And, um, you know, Oklahoma, I mean, Kind of by default, they'll probably win this game, but I, I think it'll be pretty close. Actually, I don't. I don't think it's going to be a blowout by any means. Yeah, I, don't, I think it's going to be a blowout. I think Oklahoma takes them behind the woodshed, and they take care of business. The next game, the NWC Mountain West, Boise State, Fresno State. Trey, I mean, who do you like in this one? Is Boise State playing for a, a New Year's Day Six Bowl? They, they say they are. I mean, and I'll tell you, this is one of the things, and I'm all for teams that really deserve it. Um, all, you know, you know, I, I like the underdog. I like the fact that you know there's some crazy games. You know, Utah beating Bama, Boise State, and Oklahoma was the, the best college football game I think I've ever seen. Um, that my team wasn't playing, and obviously, um, but this Boise State team doesn't deserve to really be considered in, in you know the big whatever you want to call. Uh, the playoff committee's bowls on New Year's Day. I, I just I don't actually want to see them play. I mean, I know that they've put up a lot of points recently. You know, it was 50 against Utah State, and it's over 60 against Wyoming, 60 against New Mexico, you know, 50 against BYU. I mean, they they certainly have um, the offense uh, 
to be a little competitive, but I mean, they've given up the same amount of points almost to all these teams as well. I just don't think this is a team um, that deserves to be in one of those games. Losing two games uh, this year, this is, an, uh, this is not an undefeated Boise State or a team that only lost to Mississippi this year. Um, so I don't think they deserve it, Tarvin. Maybe they are playing for it. Uh, they're going to beat Fresno State, I'll tell you that. Uh, but I don't think they deserve to be in one of those playoff games or a playoff committee. No, the problem the, the problem I have with Boise State is you're taking a team, you're taking someone's spot that actually deserves to be there. You got to play Ole Miss yep. in a neutral site the first week, and you got skull drug. I mean, it is what it is. And then you play cupcakes the rest of the year, and you still lose the game. So Boise, I just don't like the fact that one of these teams are guaranteed in the New Year Six. I just don't like that. It's you either earn it on the field and you impress people or you don't. It's that simple. Cuervo, I like Boise in this game, but it's, uh, it's just not a very intriguing matchup. Yeah, I like I like Fresno when Pat Hill was the coach. They were a lot more, uh, you know, competitive and they weren't afraid. And, you know, Fresno now, they just they just look like, you know, a team that has no confidence whatsoever. So I think Boise wins and I think they win pretty big. Yeah, we'll move on right now. The Alabama, or excuse me, the SEC championship game will be the Auburn Tigers versus the Missouri Tigers. No, that was last year, wasn't it, Trey? I'm sorry. (laughs) It's easy to forget, easy to forget, right? Dang, and it's Alabama going against Missouri, and people are trying to hype it up like Missouri is going to pull the upset. I mean, there's not a chance in hell Missouri beats Alabama, guys. I mean, I'm going to let Sonia come on just a second right here. But, Trey, I mean, any shot Missouri has, I I just don't see it. Well, I mean, when you say things like, is there any shot, I mean, sure, right? I mean, there's a shot um, that Missouri shocks the world. There's a chance. I mean, you know, it's like dumb and dumber. You're saying there's a chance when it's one in a million, right? (laughs) Look, we, we have we underestimated Missouri for a second straight year? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I'm guilty of it. You're guilty of it. A lot of us are guilty of it, right? This is a team who we who couldn't win a Big 12 championship to save their life, and now they've been, been in two straight East uh, champs twice. So I give a lot of props to them for that, Tarvin. But this game is going to go very similarly situated than we saw last year with Auburn. You're going to see a very competitive game for a couple quarters, and then halftime adjustments and talent will play, will play out, and Alabama will pull, you know, easily away and win by the point spread at least fourteen and a half. Yeah, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking. I look at Missouri's schedule. Yeah, people are patting them on the back. They they made it to the SEC championship game, but they played Georgia's really the only tough game they played all season, and they lost it by thirty points at home. This is a team that lost to Indiana at home, and Indiana didn't win a game in the Big Ten. So I just look at Missouri, and I'm like, okay, here you go. Now you get to play Alabama. How are they going to stop Cooper, and how are they going to score on Alabama? Auburn's offense could give Alabama problems, but Missouri has no shot. I mean, maybe if he shaved his beard, the quarterback, Mark, maybe, you know, got a clean shave, maybe they could score 14 points, but I just don't know, man. I, I just think this is going to get ugly. And let me bring Sonia on. And, guys, Trey, you take over right here. I've got to take a break for about five or six minutes. Yeah. So, Sonia, Jason, welcome to the show. Y'all take over, Trey. No hey, problem. Sonia and Jason. Hey, hey okay. 
Sonny, let me ask you this real quick. Uh, I'm okay. just going to throw something at you. Uh, you're talking about Missouri, right? And, and I don't want to discount what they've done in the SEC, right? They, they did get blanked against UC, US, to UGA, right? But they right. dominated Florida at Florida. Um, exactly. They, they they beat Texas A&M at A&M West Dean. They won on the road in, in, uh, in Knoxville. And then everybody said, well, this Arkansas team, oh, my God, they're, they're just so good out of the West. You don't realize it. And they beat them They beat them by seven. So, as an Alabama fan, right, uh, mm-hmm. are you worried at all against Missouri? I'm going to be very honest with you. I am not taking Missouri for granted because everything you just said is, what, is exactly what I was going to say. And also the fact that they lost to uh, Indiana 31-27. to One thing about Mizzou that you have to watch out for is Mizzou can show up. You got to look at Bama and Mizzou are both seven one in the um, in the SEC. Okay, Mizzou has shown that they can show up and they can make those those great plays and and play the spoiler. And they would love nothing nothing more than to play the spoiler for Bama. You know, like hey, if we get this, we're in. We know we're in. So I don't discount Mizzou. My problem with Bama. As far as now, do I think Bama will beat them? Yes, but our secondary—I can't see what I saw Saturday. I'm just going to be honest. That gave yeah. us problems. If we can't, if that secondary plays like that against Mizzou, it might come down to like you know Bama, um, Bama Georgia. You know that last minute. Boom! It's it's just hard. Our secondary has got to step up. I was not impressed. I believe that Saban, Kiffin, they're going to get them tuned up, but you cannot sleep on Mizzou. I'm still going to roll with my tide. You know that. But I'm I'm not saying it's going to be a blowout or anything like that because, again, if you look at Mizzou's record, if you just look at it on paper, you're probably thinking, ah, whatever. They're just average. But if you looked at these guys play and if you looked at them in these games, I mean – Mizzou has – they just stepped up on, on a couple of games, like mm-hmm. the Arkansas game. You know, I mean, they slept on Georgia, but that's Georgia. You know what I'm saying? So, And then they were at home. But when you see Mizzou and some of these wins they've got, you cannot discount them. So I think it's going to be a, a, a good game. I think Bama's going to pull it out. But our secondary has got to step up. And here's Jason. I'm the opposite. <clears throat> I, I don't think – I don't think – who has a shot in hell? Um, I, I don't see it, and I don't see any really legitimately good good wins. So I'm not worried. Well, let me let me. I mean, so yeah, I'll tell you this about Missouri and their shot. And, and like, this is you know me saying that they're going to lose by this point spread, but um, Missouri is ranked 98th in, in the country passing the football, and that, that that's really not good for this. This matchup because that's that's clearly the weakness for Alabama, right? You can be able to throw the football, uh, and Matty Mock has been very very average this year. You look at Matty Mock coming into this year, everybody thought, well, man, this is this is a cat that's going to clearly just take the SEC by storm. He's been just a very mediocre quarterback. Twenty two passes, touchdowns, eleven interceptions, completes in percentage uh, is, is nothing to write home about it at fifty three percent, and so. Uh, that being the strength, uh, if you will, against Alabama and not not being something that Missouri does well, uh, isn't going to bode well for them. Plus, there's the if you look at why Georgia and Indiana, the two teams that dominated them or beat them, uh, what are both those teams' strengths? 
running the football. Indiana has a, what, a guy with 2,000 yards right. rushing. Uh, Georgia has, you know, a, a beast at running back, no matter who it is. Uh, and, you know, here's the thing. Uh, Yeldon, for all his uh, sometimes lack of fanfare, is a very good running back. And so I think Lane Kiffin is going to he's, – he's too smart not to know this. They're going to come out and they're going to pound the football, and they're just going to start pulling away just like the two teams who have run the ball very well against Missouri. So that that's my prediction, Sonia and Jason. Uh, I think it comes down to running the football and, and the fact that passing is not Missouri's strength. Totally, totally agree. I think it'll be sort of like, to me, it's going to be one or the other. They're going to show up and, and you know, stun us like, Ar- uh, like Auburn did Saturday. Oh, or, if I can get my words out, <laughs> or they're going to be like Mississippi State when they came. Because think about it, Mississippi State was just on a roll. They were a steam train. And then they got to Bama, and it was like, oh, yeah, we forgot. We're Mississippi State when we play Bama. Yeah, I think it's going to be a you know what I mean? <laughs> I think it's going to be another Notre Dame game. That's what I see. So it's going to be one or the other, but I'm, I'm leaning towards the, oh, my God, we're playing Bama and the stun deer in the headlights look. Because yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think that Bama is. And trust me, this game right here, if Bama loses this game, you will hear a tirade from Nick Saban the entire season. There's no reason <laughs> for Bama to lose this game. <laughs> I'll make a prediction. Very first play from scrimmage. Henry hits the hole up the middle and runs it for a touchdown, <laughs> and that's how the game <laughs> Very, very well, very possible. So, Jason, we'll, we'll stick to your, uh, your your expertise here in the Big Ten Championship, our next game, number 13, Wisconsin at 10-2, and two, versus the Ohio State Buckeyes with their third-string quarterback. The quarterback, who, by the way, if you don't know Ohio State quarterback lore, this is the kid who tweeted that he didn't think he had to go to classes at Ohio State. He didn't go to Ohio State to attend classes. <laughs> so he, he, I remember that. Yes. I'm yeah. so glad you brought that up. This is the um, kid, right? The, uh, the, uh, Trey Patterson remembers all, right? So he gets his <laughs> shot, Jason, right? This kid does not want to attend classes. He probably didn't anyway. He gets his shot to show it on the field against Wisconsin. Ohio State needs to make a statement here, Jason. What do you think? Uh, um, I think uh, – from what I saw, Ohio State um, has a hard time stopping the run. Gordon's going to run for like 250 yards. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I'm, I see Badgers. Man, let's just be honest. Ohio State, y'all are not as good as you really think you are. Let's be and, serious. And and Wisconsin's defense is not that bad. Uh, yeah. So and, and Ohio State's O line's been suspect this year. Yep. So I. It, it's not going to kill me to see Urban crying because Wisconsin will take this. Yeah, let's just be honest, Trey. Jay, of course we watch the Big Ten because I'm married to a, a Big Ten guy. And when we when we saw the Gophers play Wisconsin, okay, we know what they're working with. We saw Ohio State play the Gophers. We know what they're working with. We also saw Ohio State play the same teams that the Minnesota Gophers beat. So when we look at Ohio State, and I do have some friends that are Ohio State fans, and I mean you no offense, but you guys are not as good as you think you are. All of this argument about we deserve, no, you don't, okay? You guys have struggled in some games that you were supposed to just come in and dominate. You're, you're inconsistent. I do believe that Wisconsin will, will just be ready. They'll be the more together team, and I have to agree with my hubby there. So. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what, I, you know, you, you bring, I think Gordon is going to have a lot of success. 
Um, Wisconsin's third in the nation running the football, um, where Ohio State, 39th, very mediocre against the run. So Wisconsin should have some success there. The problem with Wisconsin is is they can't throw the football if there's nobody on the field. I mean, they can't throw routes in practice. They're 117th, and that's where I really worry about Wisconsin because, you know, you're talking about a team that Ohio State is 17th in the nation against the pass, and I know they haven't played – uh, you know, a, a schedule really worth even talking about. But the one thing when I look at that schedule, they played a lot of cupcakes who had to throw the football the entire second half, and they still tell teams down. And that's not something you see a whole lot. So I think the Ohio State defense, uh, secondarily, is a little bit better than we think they are. Uh, but I, 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 I'll I, tell you what, I think Ohio State's going to win this football game. And I, I would love to see Wisconsin run all over Ohio State because I agree with you, Sonia. I don't think they're very good. Um, but I, I just don't think that uh, Ohio State uh, is going to let the Wisconsin throw for 100 yards. I just think uh, unless the Ohio State Buckeyes just let Gordon run for 250 yards, and this is a very low-scoring football game, uh, and I worry about Wisconsin against, you know, I, I don't know what, what to make of the, the kid who doesn't like to go to class, and that's all I'll, I'll say. I'm not going to use his name because it's, it's too funny. But Ohio State, you know, if they can pass with, with, with the boy who doesn't like to go to class, against the the Wisconsin defense, who's, by the way, second and eighth in the nation against pass and rush. So that's going to be the game changer right there. Can Wisconsin get turnovers, and, and can Wisconsin throw over 100 yards? Maybe that's the maybe that's the stat there, Sonia. Jason? If if if, um, if the Wisconsin O-line gets Stavi uh, time to pass, he'll be fine. Um, the, the one thing that the Gophers did do is they got pressure on him. But, I mean, if you give any quarterback some time, you know, and you're not constantly three-step dropping and dumping it off, it, they'll be fine. Um, I'm not I'm not concerned. Uh, and then you also got to look at the fact, because <clears throat> I totally agree with everything you said, Trey, but you got to look at something. Look at Urban Meyer, where, okay, where Ohio State was before he came and where they are now. They've always just come one – it's always been something just one little step short of getting to the big game, of getting to the national championship. They've, they've always got that, that one little thing that's kept them back. And I think what's going on is, in my personal belief, is the reason that he left the SEC. Coaches in the Big Ten have figured Urban out. The big fear was Urban Meyer is going to come bring that SEC defense to, the, to Ohio State. He's going to bring that defense, and it's going to be hard to play Ohio State because they're going to do this and they're going to do that. Okay, did he? Yes. Have they? No, not consistently. And that's yeah. the biggest thing. Ohio State is just inconsistent. Sometimes it'll show they, – they show these, these traces of, now that's the Ohio State I'm used to look – you know, I'm used to watching. That's the Ohio State that teams should be watching out for. But then you turn around and you're like, dude, Purdue's beating you? South, you know, this team put up 14 on you? You know what I'm saying? So it's just hard to, to, to call this one. I'm just going with Wisconsin because I just believe they're, they're just going to have it more together. I believe that this is – they want this game more. With Ohio State, they're just too inconsistent for me. Yeah, I'll, I'll just I'll, – I'll bring this up, and I know Tarvin's back, and I'll let, let Tarvin talk about this game. But here's my thing. In going into the committee, and I'm back on the committee again, they told us that out of conference, strength of schedule matters. And, and if, if you let Ohio State in at this point based on the, the trash schedule they played and the fact that the only team with any kind of name who is a 
500 ACC team at best beat you at home uh, when you were, you know, a 20-point favorite and, and you get in, I'll tell you right now, if I'm Alabama and I'm Florida State, I stop playing anybody because there's no reason to out of conference. I mean, this is, to me, a seminal moment for the college football committee. Uh, yep. it, can't, it can't just be I go out and I beat Cincinnati 40-10 to 10 because, you know, they're a, and, and then they play a bunch of MAC teams. Uh, so to me, this this matters uh, from what the committee says they think are, are important, and then what way they show us is important. So I think Ohio State loses football game for those reasons, but I, I think they they'll win. So Tarvin, what do you got, buddy? I like. I mean, never underestimate a team that's you know that's the underdog really that's playing with a quarterback. And here's the deal: How's Wisconsin going to prepare for this Ohio State quarterback? They've never seen him, saw any film. Maybe there's something about him that Urban Meyer knows he can use as an advantage. And this is going to be a good close football game. It always is. But I agree with you, Trey, about the out of conference schedule. All of a sudden, you know, you you lose at home at night to Virginia Tech that can't even make a bowl really, and now all of a sudden. You know you're in the conf- you know you're in the championship talk final four because other teams are losing. I have more credit, I have more respect for Wisconsin, even though they went they lost to LSU at the end. At least I I saw them play somebody out of conference. You have to give them that. So if Wisconsin wins this game, I don't mind them representing in the four team playoff if some other teams lose, but not Ohio State. I like Wisconsin to win this game because of their running attack, and, and I just think they're a better football team. At the end of the day, I think was, even with Barrett, if he was there, I would pick Wisconsin because I think they're a better team. Now, I agree. I just, you know, I mean, here's my point, guys, is um, the committee, they talked about strength of schedule, they talked about all this stuff, and it really what it really boils down to at this point is it seems they're more interested in the pig that has the lipstick on it than, than the hogs who, you know, who, who played the schedule, and I – I just I don't like what Ohio State's done, and I don't like the rewarding them. I I put I put. Thank you. I mean, I, just to me, it's, it's not a beauty pageant. Let's 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 reward the teams that played tough games, and, and let's reward the teams that that made it through it. Ohio State Trey, didn't make it through a very poor schedule. You're you're right, Trey, and and I'm going to bring up another thing as far as the committee. I'm sorry because I am not a James Winston fan, and I know we're going to get to this game eventually. But it's almost like. Okay, you're punishing this team. To me, it seems like there's some personal stuff going on here. I'm just going to be honest. Because with Ohio State, I'm like, for real? Seriously? And then I saw these articles about why, you know, the case for Ohio State to move into the number four spot. And I'm like, like you guys believe this stuff? Like, were you sober when you wrote this? <laughs> I'm, are you watching the same team we are? <laughs> I totally agree with you on that point. We, This is going to be a pivotal moment. So I totally agree. I just wanted to put that in. <laughs> well, she's right. I mean, it's you have to reward teams for having some balls and, and being battle-tested. I mean, if, I, if I'm Auburn, I'm never going to Camp Manhattan on a Thursday night again if, if I don't have to. I'm going to play uh, San Jose State and be happy with it. But we we have to, and I'm hoping once we see this four teams, we're hungry enough to get the eight teams. And, and so the regular season – all conference champions make it. There's five big conferences. So you can play some big teams out of conference, and it doesn't matter if you lose them. As long as you win your conference, you're in. So maybe college football will wake up and, and change before long. But what game are we on next, Trey, the Florida State-Georgia Tech game? Yeah, the ACC championship. Wow. This yeah. is, you know, a, a month ago, 
you know, if you'd have told me this game, I'd have said Florida State would be about a 14-point favorite in this game. But looking at it, Florida State's a four-point favorite, Trey, in this game. Does that concern you a little bit? Well, I mean, Paul Johnson is – and by the way, I, I'm going to say it again. I think Paul Johnson's the right guy for Nebraska if he were to leave um, just because he's the kind of coach that could win at Nebraska with three-star talent. Uh, but he's 2-1 and one against Florida State. I mean, you know, I like stats. I like numbers. I like success against certain, you know, certain programs. Uh, I like Georgia Tech in this game in a lot of ways because of that. Um, you have uh, Jameis Winston, who has basically digressed over the past four weeks. And I don't know what's going on with him. You could say it's, you know, the fact that he had the hearing this week. Maybe he changes. Um, they've gotten healthier, so in a lot of ways they should be playing better. Uh, they are still got defensive tackle problems. Who's not? You know, they're still hurt there. But in a lot of ways, Florida State should be playing better at this point. Um, one of the key things about this game, Tarvin, I will tell you that gives me a little bit of confidence in Florida State is Jimbo Fisher in the, uh, decided to schedule the Citadel, and we talked about them you know, earlier in the year, how they were playing dirty. But the Citadel runs a power, um, power eye triple option just like Georgia Tech does. And the reason they scheduled them is because just in case they met them in the championship game, it's pretty smart. I mean, I, I, I would have never thought. I'm not, I'm not smart enough to think that far ahead. So I think that's really, really, really important for this game. The fact that only on a week's week's notice, you have to play a triple option. But at least you faced them once before. Yeah, good point. And hey, guys, we have a caller. I'm gonna bring him on real quick from the seven two seven area code. You're on way in sports. Who's this? Hey guys, it's Jonathan. Jonathan, what's up, man? Hey, what's up, man? Uh, you know, I, I went ahead and got myself uh, a new phone number, obviously. It's a, it's a home uh, area code for me. But I, I definitely want to chime in on this game because I'm looking at this, and I think the biggest advantage Florida State has in this game is our defensive coordinator, Kelly, came from Georgia Tech. He spent nine years as a defensive coach at Georgia Tech, including, I believe, three as a, a co-defensive coordinator. So he's seen this offense, obviously, up close and personal. He's had to practice against it, um, especially when they went up against Georgia Southern. Uh, you know, he had to prepare for that. So I think this is definitely an edge that we have in this game. It's going to be a great game. I mean, if you all remember 2012, we had to play them in Charlotte. Uh, we won that one 21-15. You know, they just hung around tough with us. This is a very good Georgia Tech football team. I'm very excited for this game, but, of course, very nervous because, we saw last week, George Tech can, on any day, can go ahead and beat somebody. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, this this game is is probably going to be the best game of the day. If you if you look at all the games that we that we talk about and we're going to watch on Saturday, Trey, this game with your Florida State Seminoles, I, I, I just think Florida State's too talented. I don't expect Georgia to go to Athens and, or Georgia Tech to go to Athens and win and then beat Florida State in the next week. I just don't see it happening. I think it's going to be a close game, Sonia. I, I like Florida State by field goal in this game, but they're going to get it done and they're going to go to the college playoff. Okay. This is my – again, you know, I have to look at two sides. When I look at Georgia Tech, and I want to go back to Trey's point, <clears throat> excuse me, as far as Jimbo preparing – you don't think Georgia Tech's been preparing? One thing about this Georgia Tech team, I mean, they had back-to-back losses against Duke and North Carolina, but since then it's like they've gotten it together. And you can't, you can't sleep on a team like this. These, these guys are very hungry. They are very they, – they're playing with a chip on their shoulder because they don't think they get the respect that they deserve. 
when you've got a team like that facing a team that has habitually come from behind, if Florida State starts out like they have in the, in the past few games where it's always this comeback, you know, James is putting on his super cape, you might F up and lose this game. I'm just going to be honest because Georgia Tech, that's what they're waiting on. Now, what Florida State's going to have to do, forget the come-from-behind crap, hit them hard, get some points on the board, wear them out. That's how Florida State's going to have to win this game. It's going to be a great matchup. I'm, I'm looking more forward to this game, honestly, than um, uh, Bama and uh, Mizzou because this is going to be like the game. If Georgia Tech pulls the upset, oh, my God, that's all you're going to hear about. But if Florida State shows up and they really, you know, like put their put their foot on Georgia Tech, then it's going to be like, okay, well, we got to look at Florida State in a brand new light. Let's look at these matchups a little bit more. I'm looking forward to this game. I think, again, I'm, I'm thinking Florida State always is always they're, they're going to pull it out. But if you let them get too far down and let Georgia Tech get too far ahead, Florida State will lose. Jake? I got I got FSU in this one. Yeah, it's just, I mean, talent matters in football. I mean, any given Saturday, things can happen. But I just think Florida State, when they want to play, they play. And it's, it's weird how you watch them. They're bored most of the season in a game. They look over there, like Herb Street said, he went to the Louisville game, and he looked over there, and they were bored. They turned it on when they felt threat felt threatened, and they took care of business. I don't. I see the same blueprint as I've seen every every game. But like Sonia said, you you get sometimes you get in a hole. I don't care how good you are, you can't come back every time. So they better put they better take care of business early. So everybody's picking Florida State in this game. It sounds like Sonia, did you pick Georgia Tech or Florida State? I picked Florida State. Where I think they'll pull it out. I don't, I don't think Cuervo's with us right now anyway. I think he dropped off. But guys, no, he just said FSU. Game. He's in the chat room. He picked okay. FSU. 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 Well, our number two game, this is a huge game right here. And, and I think people are not paying attention to this game because it's Baylor and they're at number seven. But playing a team in the top ten like Kansas State, Trey, if Baylor comes in at home, and blows out Kansas State, we're going to have a hell of a debate come Sunday. I mean, who's yeah. going to get in, TCU or Baylor? If Baylor takes yep. care of business and wins this game by a couple of touchdowns, I think there's no way you can leave them out. Yeah, not, well, not to mention the head-to-head against TCU, which matters to me a whole a whole heck of a lot. But I'll say it right now, I, I think, you know, I, sometimes sometimes things have a way of of working themselves out. Uh, last last couple of years, remember we saw Kansas State number one in the country uh, go on go on the road and, and they lost a, an important game against a, a, a bad team. Well, I know Baylor's at home here at Tarpon, but Kansas State is, is a team that I, I saw last week and I saw something different in, in Jake Waters, and I was really impressed by the way he threw the football. And I didn't see that earlier in the year. I saw a quarterback who missed reads. I saw a quarterback who had erratic problems throwing the football. I thought him last week, Carvin, I was like, man, this, this kid's really progressed this year. I can't believe the job Bill Snyder's doing. Um, and so I look at this as a Baylor are going to go into this game with Art Bryles. And, and the, the game they've only played last year in the BCS, they played real tight against the, you know, against this, um, you know, a Blake Central Florida, Florida. who played, yeah, Central Florida, who played very loose. I think Kansas State's going to play very loose. I think Baylor's going to play very tight. 
the fact that you know Bryce Petty is coming off a concussion and is supposed to play, maybe he doesn't. Uh, it matters a whole lot too for his preparation this week and their preparation against Kansas State. I think Kansas State beats them and solves the, the riddle of Baylor. Mm. I, I I look at this game and I think Baylor blows Kansas State out of the water because this is college football and we just need that storyline come Sunday with this committee. I want them to to be eating Alka-Seltzer when they're getting ready to announce this crap. So Baylor wins this game, Sonia, by three touchdowns, and they're going to make a, a big debate Sunday who's going to be in. Okay, look, <laughs> I have seen the Art Brawl story. Uh, you know, I've, I've, I've got respect for the man, but Snod is he finally figured something out. Because I got to agree with Trey. The Kansas State that I've been seeing recently, I'm like, oh, y'all woke up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I, ugh, it's a hard one to call, but it's it's sort of like FSU and um, Georgia Tech. But part of me, I just feel like Kansas State is going to show up. I have a feeling that, that Snyder is like, okay, I'm going to just let you guys know I'm not going down the hill. I'm I'm not losing it, whatever. I just think Kansas State is going to show up. I don't know. It's just something. But who knows? Baylor might kick their butts. Who knows? But I'm going to pick yeah, Kansas they, State. They, they always show up. Bill Snyder has his team ready, whether it's Auburn, Oklahoma, whoever he plays, he's right there. Jonathan, I just think this is a chance for Baylor that kind of caused a lot of confusion with this committee because I, I think they deserve it more than TCU if they go in and take care of business Saturday night at home. I agree. Um, I mean, I know Dick Waters looked good throwing the football last week, but we also got to remember that that was against Kansas. That's the same Kansas team that gave up 400 and some odd yards rushing to a freshman uh, running back for Oklahoma. Not a very good defense. Now, I think Baylor is going to come out. They realize this is their shot. They gotta, they gotta go for everything. They're going to go for broke. You're going to see trick plays. You're going to see everything about the book in this game. Now, the interesting debate will be after Baylor and TCU win on Saturday, who deserves to be in? And what people are going to say is, well, TCU's lost to the Baylor. Baylor's lost to West Virginia. TCU played Minnesota. Baylor played Buffalo. Other than that, I mean, they're they're pretty much identical as far as scheduling goes. So I have a hard time sitting there going, well, TCU deserves to be in because they look better. Well, they really didn't because they lost to Baylor. I mean, did TCU dominate a good stretch that game? Yeah, but final scoreboard, Baylor beat them 61-58. And that's that's where it is. I think Baylor deserves that spot if they win this game on Saturday, and I believe they do. Yeah, I do too. And Jason, Minson, what do you think about this all right, I'm calling a basketball score because that's how many points are going to be scored, and and I'll take Baylor. Um, but I'm like Sonia, I I got to give Kansas State their props because I had a way different opinion of them at the beginning of the season. No. I I didn't think they were going to be good at all. We got into a Twitter war with their friends. Yeah, so they showed me a lot this year. I think they can hang with Baylor. I kind of feel like there's going to be a whole lot of scoring, and I'll call Baylor by a field goal. (laughs) That's a good prediction. I like Baylor by a couple of touchdowns in this one. I just think they have more to play for. Kansas State's out of it. Baylor knows 
I don't. And, and Trey said they play tight. I, I don't see them playing tight because they're not in that three or four position. They're at number six or, or where they're at. But I think they played loose and nothing to lose and just everything to gain. So this is going to be interesting. That's why we, we play the game on the field because it just gives us something to talk about. We can guess all we want. But at the end of the day, they're going to settle it Saturday night. And this takes us to our number one game, a, a rematch of an early season game where the committee is forgiving Oregon. They're forgiving Oregon for losing at home because they were missing an offensive lineman. Give me a break. Oregon, come on. If I mean, I'm, I'm sick of that. I mean, that's like, okay, Auburn lost to Georgia because Duke Williams wasn't playing. No, they got beat. I don't. There, there, there's no excuses. Unless you lose a quarterback, I don't want to hear anything. But now they're they're getting forgiveness because Herb Street got on his knees to the committee oh, and begged them to put Oregon in there. So, Trey, here's Oregon right here at home against Arizona. They should win, but, man, I'm praying Arizona kicks the crap out of them. Well, I, I, here's the thing about narratives and, and the way people tell the story. Oregon lost a single player. You know, how many times have we talked about multiple starters for Florida State or, you know, Auburn or whatever these teams are? And, you know, Florida State played without Jameis Winston for the Clemson game and won, and Clemson are still ranked. So I, I get sick of hearing about Oregon losing a single offensive lineman and the fact that, Marcus Mariota apparently can't go to sleep at night without getting told a bedtime story by this guy. Uh, I just, it just drives me crazy, right? I mean, the fact they lost a single player and the, their entire offense and their entire team just, like, couldn't go to sleep at night without their warm milk. I mean, just, I'll tell you what, Tarvin. I'm going to go out there and tell you this. Uh, I think Oregon is, is, again, in a situation where they're being hyped too much. This is a team that is going to struggle when they play anybody legitimate. I'm just I'm throwing it out there. Whether they get Florida State or whether they get Alabama, if they have to get past Arizona, they're gonna get they're gonna get slapped around a little bit. They're hundred and seventh in the nation against pass. Tell me that doesn't play into the strengths of some of the teams they may face. hundred and seventh Yeah, Amari uh, Amari Cooper's dreaming right now of playing Oregon <laughs> secondary. Yeah, and so is Jameis Winston. I mean most of these teams would love to play Oregon. Uh, but I don't even know if they're going to get past Arizona. Arizona's 18th in the nation passing the football. Arizona has beaten twice in a row. Uh, it's hard to beat a team twice in a year, Tarvin. But I'm going to throw it out there. I'm throwing caution to the wind, and I'm going against Vegas. I'm saying Arizona goes out and beats Oregon because, I mean, Marietta, what, he's thrown at least two interceptions against Arizona every time they've played. Uh, Arizona, man. I'm going, I'm going against yeah. the numbers. But how lucky are you if you're Arizona? You, you beat Oregon and Eugene. But now you get to go try it again. I mean, you have to beat Oregon twice in their place to win a Pac-12 championship. How fair is that, Jonathan? Well, I think Arizona has Oregon's number. Um, Rich Rodriguez has put together a great game plan offensively to beat Oregon. But hats off to Arizona's defensive coordinator. I mean, last year – completely put Mariota in check. And every Oregon fan is going to tell you, well, Mariota was hurt, so, you know, you can't count that game. All right, fine. We went, the Arizona went into Austin Stadium this year and beat them. Well, we didn't have our starting left tackle, so it doesn't count. No, 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 no. Arizona went in, they snatched you last year, they went into your house and got you again. Obviously, there's an edge there. Now, I'm going to go against the grain here. As far as rematches, 
because it is you don't see this very often where a team pulls out a rematch twice in one year. Very hard to beat somebody, but I will take Arizona to beat Oregon. I just think coaching wise they have the edge. I would take Rodriguez over Hell Freak any day of the week as my coach, and I think a new Solomon has gotten better and better as this year got has you know progressed. I mean, talk about a pretty good freshman quarterback. Definitely somebody to keep your eye on for next year and possibly the year after. He looks very good and very comfortable running this spread offense. Yeah, that's a good good point, guys. I, Sonia, uh, it's hard to pick Arizona in this game, but obviously they do. Like Jonathan said, they have they have Oregon's number for some reason. Look, let me tell you something. First of all, we had to mute because we were over here rolling. First, Tarvin went in with the zing. Then Trey comes in with the uppercut. Then Jonathan comes in with a midsection punch. Good Lord. And here we go to top it off. <laughs> Let's be honest. Okay, Oregon fans, you guys, you know, you, you do your we want Bamas and you want this and you want that and blah, blah, blah. The only person on your team is a flying Hawaiian. If that joker has a hangnail, you guys sweat bullets. Heisman. Okay. <laughs> Arizona Arizona figured you out. They put so much pressure. First of all, your O-line is tissue paper thin, let's be honest. How can you – in one game, and I think it was – who was it? Freaking North Colorado, somebody, sacked them five times. This man had seven sacks with three games in the season. So that lets me know your O-line just does not exist. you got that Green Bay O-line. I think Arizona is going to come in, put the foot, just just do the same thing they did before, and make it known they're going to expose or, uh, Oregon for who they are. I'm not saying that you guys have not come far, but seriously, it's been on the back of that man. And once he is gone, you guys are back to the middle of the pack. Let's be honest. Jason? Ditto. Here we go. No, I, there we go. I, I, I like Arizona. You know, they'll get pressure on him. It, 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 he knows how to beat Oregon. So, exposed. I'll take Arizona. Yeah. Yeah, well, let's bring on some guy that's probably not going to take Arizona, the one and only um, Jason Humphrey, the big duck fan. Jason, man. There he is. Hey, guys. How are you guys doing today? Good. How's it going, man? I'm doing pretty good. Don't get me wrong. I am nervous about this Arizona game. But if Oregon plays this like the Pac-Tolo game, then this is not a revenge game. I hate that word, revenge. Because once you play for revenge, you lose focus at what's at hand. I think, yes, Arizona has our number. Maybe that's the last two times. That's our last two losses. But I think think Oregon will come out and take care of business. You do? Uh, Why? Why do you you think they're going to take care of business this time? I would say that the two games, Washington State and Arizona, those two games, Marcus Mayorder has been attacked several times. In the seven games after that, the seven-game win streak only 13 times in the seven games. I think 
Jake Fisher will be a big difference on that offensive line. I, I know it sounds funny, and, and really I, I know one player doesn't make a difference, but I think Jake Fisher will make the difference. Yeah, well, Jason, make sure you call in Sunday night, and and I'm gonna pick the Oregon Ducks with you, Jason. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna pick the Oregon Ducks with you. I just I don't I don't know if they're gonna lose again because this game's at home. But Sonya, Trey, everybody, I'll start with you, Sonya. Why why does the Pac-12 have to play at the home field to someone? Why don't they play at a neutral side? I just think that's too big of an advantage. Because they are the Pac-12. <laughs> And it, and they have decreed it so. <laughs> but don't. But this is the deal. Pac-12 fans, they'll swear up and down that nobody down here wants to come out there and play them. But when you ask them, well, what about you guys coming down here to play us? It's always a different story. So it's just BS. <laughs> All this conference, well, beat, this conference homerism is just. I'm done with it. Yeah, and 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 Jonathan, are you still on the phone? Yeah. Jonathan was bashing the SEC the other day, saying the ACC dominated them, which they they did win four games over each opponent, three of the games in which the ACC was favored. And, Jonathan, I wanted you to share that with us before we go. Remember I said we'll talk about it Wednesday night. Give us your opinion on those those four games. Well, I I wasn't necessarily saying the SEC was dominated and we bashed them and the ACC is better now. <laughs> The point of the article, if it was read, was that there's a double standard in college football. And the double standard is the ACC sends 11 teams to bowl games this year. Well, that's parity. They're expected to. They've got to beat each other up. The SEC sends 12 teams to bowl games. Well, they're a dominant conference. Well, is that really necessarily fair to say they have one more bowl eligible team in a six and six Arkansas or a six and six Tennessee, and they're they're the most dominant conference. But a, a conference that puts eleven teams <laughs> in, not necessarily dominant. And that's just how I'm looking at it. I mean, there's certain you just look at the double standard there is. When you look at you start looking at record wise, you know the ACC it, it has an undefeated team. They have the twelve and zero Florida State. We got nine win teams in Clemson and Louisville. We got a ten win team in Georgia Tech, a nine win team in Duke. This is the first year that the SEC doesn't have four ten win teams in a couple of years. And don't get me wrong, the SEC is a very good conference. I'm not saying they're not the best conference in college football because in my eyes they still are. I just think the flack that the ACC gets, in which people say we're the number five conference, I think that's a little bit of a stretch. And now I get it. It's the SEC East. Georgia Tech beat Georgia. Well, it's Georgia. Louisville beat Kentucky. Well, it's Louisville. Well, if we could play this game and go, well, we have the SEC West. We don't need the SEC East. Well, we got the ACC Atlantic. We don't need the Coastal. Well, you can't. You have to take the good with the bad. And at the end of the day, that's what it is. Because the SEC East is clearly inferior to the SEC West, just like the Coastal has been inferior. I mean, yeah, the Coastal has been inferior to the Atlantic. That's how it's been. But I just think that we need to end this double standard. The ACC puts out quality teams every year. Gives the SEC a good rivalry game every year. Florida, Florida State, Georgia, Georgia Tech. I just think that a little more love needs to be given to the ACC, and we can't just keep discrediting it as 
the stepbrother of the Power Five. All right, Sonia, go ahead. <clears throat> Look, this is what I need all ACC fans to understand, okay? When you guys start talking about SEC this, SEC that, we don't get enough respect, blah, 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 whine, whine, moan, moan, that's all we hear. Because seriously, it's getting old. ACC is a conference that is on its way up. I respect the ACC. Most fans of SEC teams respect the, the ACC. What we get tired of is you guys talk like, like we doing it. Okay, wait a minute. So it's the SEC's fault that teams from the SEC won the games to make it to the national championship. So it's our fault for winning? That's what you guys sound like. Seriously, the ACC has some great teams. You guys have more teams, in my opinion, as far as top tier than middle and low. You're becoming you're, – you're, you're moving up, okay, in esteem and respect. But the one thing that's not going to get it is whining and crying for it. That is the problem. And there's so much conference. I'm so sick of this conference. This conference is better than that conference. You know, go SEC, go ACC. Screw all that. I'm just going to be honest. Forget all of that. You root for a team. The only time that you should root for a conference is during the bowls because that is when conference counts, okay? Other than that, who cares? Root for who you want to. But get, stop with this trying to compare conferences and this and this and that. Guess what? If your team wins out, they're at the top of the, at the, top of the list. If they happen to be from the same conference, oh, well. Your time will come. Football is cyclical. It's gonna come. It's gonna come up. The ACC is on their way up. So just deal with it. But, but quit all that whining. I'm so sick of that. Ooh. Yeah, some good points. And the ACC has has proven themselves. And you know this conference is better. Really, at the end of the day, like Sonia said, it's all BS anyway. It's all all that matters is who wins the, that championship game. And you know what? The ACC, they're the defending champions of. College football, I think that can probably change, but we'll see. But bowl time will tell, really, which conference is the best, and we'll just have to wait and see. But, guys, thanks, everybody, for joining us tonight. It's been a great show. I like doing these almost two-hour shows. We had a lot of information to cover. We'll be back on Sunday night, 8.30 p.m. Eastern. To, you know, we have a lot to talk about, all the games, and we'll know the final four. We'll know the other bowl selections. So we're going to have some fun Sunday night. Make sure you join us, 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Sonia, Jason, Jonathan, Trey, everybody, Cuervo, thanks for joining us. Have a great week. We'll see you Sunday, guys. Bye, guys.